Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Victoria Stapleton, Director of School and Library Marketing at Little Brown Books for Young Readers. And I am very, very pleased to welcome you to this edition of the Little Brown School podcast as we are featuring Kate Hannigan, author of The Detective's Assistant. Kate, will you say hello to everyone? Hey, hello. Kate, uh, you have given us a book about a spunky young woman. I usually do not enjoy spunky. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> I, I will say this uh, as one who just is spunky resistant. Uh, but you have given us a character in Little Nell who is spunky, who is sparky, adventurous, who is, I think, everything that young people, boys and girls, should aspire to be in the sense of, you know, there's lemons here. I'm going to make not just lemonade, but a fizzy lemonade, and I'm going to figure out how to make a few dollars off that, too, just to be enterprising, that extra enterprising. So welcome. Your book is called The Detective's Assistant. Will you tell us a little bit about it? Well, I'm thrilled to be talking to you, so it's great to, to be part of this. Um, it's funny that you used sparky and spunky, because the word I was thinking for Nell is scrappy. So uh, all of these adjectives for her, I feel like she's a fighter. So uh, it, when I hear spunky in kids' books, it makes me uh, always pause and think, hmm, what are they, what are they trying to, to do here, to force here? But uh, I feel like she's got a lot of adversity, and she turns things around and... Uh, makes the best of things, as you said, with the lemonade. She makes fizzy lemonade. <laughs> she, she is a fighter. <laughs> she is. She is. So it was a lot of fun to write. Um, so can you tell us in two or three sentences what the book is about? The book is about, it's, um, as so many stories for middle grade, it's coming of age story. Uh, but it's um, it's got some great uh twists and some some meaty uh history to it it's a, it's about an 11 11 year old girl who uh doesn't have any family left uh and she is deposited on the doorstep of her aunt and she's hoping to uh find some sort of sense of family but it turns out her aunt is a detective and in in the, in real life it's America's first female detective Kate Warren and um Nell tries to build a life with her but Kate doesn't want anything to do with her so um it's uh, trying to find that sense of family when it, family isn't necessarily a natural uh, fit. I, I love this, um, this book. It's classic middle grade to me in the sense that, uh, to me, middle grade is the place where characters understand the world is not as it is just because it is. Because I said so. It's the, wor the world is as it is because adults have decided yeah. that this is the way the world is. And right. and one of the things I enjoy about Nell is she is seeing adult choices in action mm -hmm. from the very beginning, encountering her aunt, who is definitely a woman of will. Yeah. Yeah. And then dealing with the consequences that other people of other people's choices. Yeah. So your first book is a book called Cupcake Cousins. Right. About a wedding. Yeah. Uh, something I don't super understand. Uh, <laughs> but so the detective's assistant seems to be a little bit of a departure. Um, have you always been a secret history geek or is yes, this something new for I'm you? I'm a complete history geek. And that's been from the very early days um, when we, I grew up in Oklahoma uh, and we, nobody had cable TV when I was growing up. So it was a really big deal when suddenly People were starting to get together houses plugged in and this HBO, this animal called HBO came on and there was something called um, Time Was, 
with Dick Cavett, and he would go through the decades. And I, as a little <laughs> 10, 11, 12-year-old kid, would sit and watch every single one of those things. I just loved them. And I would go back and watch them again and again. And I would eavesdrop on when the relatives all got together and told their, the, you know, the various stories from way back when. I always ate that stuff up. Um, when I first started choosing my own books, when I would have free time and not homework-related books, I wound up choosing biographies and histories and things like that. So definitely, um, I'm definitely drawn to history. I just feel like, um, especially obscure people from history that, that don't even make it as footnotes. I mean, I came across Kate Warren's name while researching something else from 1856, and there was just a sentence or two about her. And I just thought, wait a minute, why do we not know who this woman is? If she was instrumental in saving Abraham Lincoln's life, we should know about her. Uh, so that's, those are the type of things that I'm drawn to, sort of um, the history that uh, is kind of uh, left, left by the wayside or, or even not even a footnote, really. <laughs> Kate, if you feel comfortable, I'm intrigued by this idea of you listening to the stories, the family stories that your, your adults told. I, too, uh, grew up uh, as one of the younger generation hiding under the windows of the porch on summer evenings, listening to the aunts and uncles tell stories and, and, and wishing that I was one of the bigger cousins. Uh, I knew I was a big cousin when I was allowed to stay up on the main porch and play canasta. <laughs> However, is there a particular story from those, from those listening ends that you, that you recall with special pleasure? You know, it's my father's, family lore that fascinates me. My mom comes from, I'm Irish Catholic, and I come from a bunch of Irish Catholics, and it's all big, big people, <laughs> big, I'd hate to stereotype, lots of, uh, lots of drinking and this and that. Can I even say that? <laughs> sure. Um, so, you know, lots of just family getting together and talking and laughing. And um, my mom comes from this huge family, uh, lots and lots of cousins, but it's my father's side and his stories that really fascinate me because he uh, is first generation American and his parents came uh, when Ireland was uh, just in the, the throes of its um, revolution and, and separation from England. Uh, and so uh, the Irish independence move, movement is always fascinating for anybody with Irish history, I think, but my grandparents came over as a result of the IRA and my uh, grandfather was actually more of like an English sympathizer. So it wasn't the cut and dried, you know, I think most Irish Catholics in America want to believe that their parents were there uh, or grandparents were there in the post office uh, in 1916 at the Easter Rising. But for my family, my father's father was um, a policeman and, and more of what's seen as sort of uh, an English sympathizer. And his younger brothers were... Um, according to the family lore, IRA gun runners. And so eventually it came to a head where the younger brothers said they could no longer guarantee his safety. And so he got on a ship and came to America, and that's how he came. And uh, my grandmother came, and her story is, is really interesting too. I wound up getting Irish citizenship recently in researching for another book that's somewhere in my head and not yet on paper. But um, she came uh, also in 1923, um, to, to work in the U.S. as a domestic, which a lot of Irish immigrants did. But her arrival date is the date of my daughter's birth. And I just feel like there's some nice symmetry there. Um, so That's there's just lovely. things that I love as uh, for family lore. And somehow I'm going to turn that into a book. So <laughs> you seem to have, from a young age, have an interest in connecting your your personal 
existence with tales of the past, making that connection. And now you're working mm -hmm. on making those connections real to young readers, Absolutely. which I think is really amazing. Absolutely. I sympathize with that story. We are finding many things in common. <laughs> I will say to the listeners that uh, many of my ancestors were invited to leave Connecticut after the Revolutionary War. Oh my gosh, all right. Uh, and they ended up uh, in Canada, and then they eventually ended up sneaking back across the border. Uh -huh. So, uh -huh. no, my <laughs> I appreciate the whole family. No, my family was not on the right side of yeah. that. <laughs> That, that conflict. It's fun to dig these things up, though. It's really, you know, it's, it's. I think we can romanticize when we look back on things, and then and 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 hope that our ancestors had these great roles in history. But I think it's some of the minor players that are really fascinating. And well, finding Kate Warren in just that little bit. Yeah. I mean, what did you do when you saw that name? Well, if you ever have one of those moments in doing anything that you do, but for, for a writer and a researcher, the moment you come across something like that, it's almost like a Disney cartoon where the birds circle around your head and like there's music. Oh, I knew when I saw these, this just little nugget, I thought, Oh, this is so great. And so my first thought was, okay, I'll make this a picture book biography and it'll be great. Little kids will, you know, get a hold of this and understand that there was a woman detective. But then I realized, no, I think I need to hit with older readers. And she's got this great story. I need to tell it in more than 32 pages. Uh, and so that's when I just sat down and started to do some research. Then I wound up doing a Google alert where I typed in Kate Warren's name just to make sure nobody mm -hmm. else was digging around with her, too. And then it turns out, yes, people were starting to dig. Her name, for whatever reason, was bubbling up. And um, then I saw that one of the um, cable networks uh, was starting to do a pilot on the Pinkertons, Alan Pinkerton and Kate Warren. And I thought, I have got to get there before they do, because they're going to make Kate Warren this sexy vixen type character. I just know it. And I want to make her something else. I want to make her something that kids can look at and say, wow, here's this courageous woman, this heroic woman, this woman who had really very limited options uh, to be in 1856 Chicago right when the, the West was busting open, right before the Civil War, if, if a woman in a widowed situation moved to a city like Chicago, she had very few options. Mm -hmm. So for her to talk her way into a job, so she talked to Pinkerton. She went into his office on August 22nd, 1856. Yeah, August 22nd, 1856. He thought about it. She, she said, I can worm out secrets that the I, uh, from the wives and the, the girlfriends of these crooks mm -hmm. and I can go places men can't go. And Pinkerton really, he could see that. And he was a progressive. He identified himself as a progressive. He has this whole interesting past. So he slept on it and he hired her the next day. And I just knew this is, this is an amazing story. And I think kids need to see that, that women had remarkable roles, but often history isn't written by women. R history, especially in these days were written by, people who might not have given her the proper credit. Mm -hmm. And so she just disappeared. And I love the device of now, I don't want, well, perhaps that's not the right way to say that, but in listening to you speak about having kids see what an important character yeah. Kate Warren is, I appreciate even more the character of now modeling yeah. that sort of observation yeah. and perception and putting it together. Yeah. Going back to the idea that, Middle grade is where adults make choices, yeah. showing a child seeing the process of adult decision making and right. its consequences is really is really good. 
Um, you clearly did a lot of research, <laughs> which I admire. <laughs> I'm tedious at dinner parties. <laughs> oh, I don't think that is true at all. No, I'm sure you have a font of stories. Um, what is the oddest thing you discovered while doing research well, for the, that you did not include in the Okay, book? so there's some wacky stuff in this story, and... Um, I just couldn't let go some of the, the crazy things. And so uh, I've had two major reviews right now, and both of them use the word madcap. And I just love that. I really embrace that word because I wanted to write something that was exciting and moved along at a good clip mm -hmm. because I think we can sometimes lose kids because we're competing with so many other media to keep their attention. But I just feel like the type of stories I want to read are stories that, that move along and they're mm -hmm. exciting. Um, so I did include some of the more oddball things. I just couldn't separate them. But one thing that was really interesting, and among the many historical things I was able to dig up, one thing is that Chicago had a real issue in the 1850s with um, drainage, which sounds really boring. But somebody got the idea that because cholera and various diseases were just um, hitting the city hard, something had to be di had to be done because the city was built at water level, at mm -hmm. lake level. So somebody got the idea to jack up all the buildings, entire blocks. They put hundreds and hundreds of jacks and jacked up the city and then filled it in and had runoff, finally had runoff. It's a crazy notion. Uh, there's, a, there's a great picture that uh, I might put on my website that shows all of these jacks underneath an entire block on Lake Street uh, where they were able to, they had to raise the city, basically. Listeners, I wish... <laughs> That you could be with us right now because, in fact, we are sitting in a hotel room high above Chicago, and <laughs> and I am facing outside the city, and and I see Soldier Field, and I see the uh, aquarium, and I see the uh, the uh, Natural History Museum, but off immediately to the left of that are our older neighborhoods, which I, having walked those streets, can imagine being jacked up, and my jaw is agape <laughs> it's at those being, yeah. because they're so solid. Those yeah. those are, yeah. they're, they're not wood buildings. They're not little yeah. trailer things. No, those no. are very solid, yeah. multi-story brick buildings. Yeah, and some of them went up as far as six, six feet. They raised them six feet. I mean, they... They really did. So that there's is some amazing stuff. Yeah. Chicago's done crazy things. We reversed the flow of the river. Um, there's a whole lot of interesting things about Chicago. So, but oh, a lot of I that, remember you know, the reversing the flow of the river. Okay. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, I don't want kids rolling their eyes like, oh, too much history. <laughs> so that one, I just, I couldn't explain it. I have them walking down the street and it's before sidewalks. I have them on the wood plank walkways because, um, this is just when Chicago's taking off, just when the uh, railroad industry is there and it's pre-Civil War. So, um, you know, what's fascinating about some of the side streets in Chicago, if you walk actually in the alleys between these buildings, you know, in the front of the buildings, there is pavement. But if you walk in between in the alleys, between the back of the buildings, you can see cobbles. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm here to tell you listeners that sometimes the cobbles are stone and sometimes the cobbles are wood, oh. that they are wooden they're the ends just, of, like, they've cut poles, uh -huh. and they've pounded them in there, them and it's in. really yeah. fascinating. I love all the historical stuff. I mean, I really love, there's a lot of stories that came out of the uh, Columbia Exposition in 1893, uh, and then, you know, all the Civil War stuff, but it was tricky doing the research pre-Civil War. There's really, it's very limited what, what we can find, but. How uh, did you fashion Nell as a character? 
Um, you know, she just spoke to me. I remember I've read so much about other people's writings and other people's creative processes. And, um, I just, uh, it, it makes me kind of chuckle to, to hear myself say that she just spoke to me, but, um, I just had her in my head. I'm, I'm from Oklahoma. Uh, so that voice, I, the, if you have an Oklahoma accent in your head, uh, and you read this book, you're going to be right there with me. But so I don't know how Nell speaks to other people when they read it, but, um, she just, I feel like she's very pragmatic and uh, she just has a clear sense of what the score is and she knows what she needs, but she still has a loving heart. She still has the people in her life who she misses terribly, but um, she knows she's got to move on and she's got to find her way. So um, yeah, she was clear to me. I think of her as sensitive, <clears throat> yeah, but not sentimental right? and, and very sensible. Sensible is a word. Yes, yes, that's a word I would use. The thing I wanted to do with her, um, she's still a girl. She's very much a girl. And I think in the books that I remember growing up, if you wanted to be, you know, tough and scrappy and, and go after things, mm -hmm. many of the girls were tomboys. They wore men, you know, boys clothing and they acted like boys in that, in that loose sense um, and so what I wanted to create was a girl who's very much a girl and she wants to, she's been living on the farm with her brother's hand-me-downs and she's, she's had to really scrape by with things. And the first chance she gets to change out of that into a real dress, Hey, she wants to wear a dress cause she's a girl and it's okay, but she's still got all the tough characteristics of a survivor. And so I just, I, I just didn't want to fall into that. So, um, yeah, she's very much a girl. That's, I, I, I enjoy this character. <laughs> Not the whole wearing dresses part, but I mean, you know, wearing what you want to wear. I can yeah, get what she that. wears what she wants to wear. She yeah. I, I felt very strongly that in order to be tough and strong and have have certain uh, characteristics of uh, that sometimes we just attribute to boys. I didn't want her to want to be a boy, uh, and I think um, I wanted her to still very much be feminine, but um, but still be uh, have these survivor survivor instincts mm -hmm. that that work for her now. I think Nell finds a hero in Kate. Yeah. And and they they learn to rub along well together. Yeah. As I would say. Yeah. You know, it's not without its hiccups. Hiccups. <laughs> but yeah. no relationship is, you right. know, completely right. hiccup free. <laughs> Did you think about imagining what happens to Nell, say in twenty or thirty years? Oh, I've got the sequel mapped out in my head. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so we will we will let our listeners read the sequel after you write it. And we will we but, will yeah. we will leave those secrets yeah. uh, for your own plotting uh -huh. and maneuvering in your head right now. Sure. Um, who are your heroes from history? You know, I that's that's an interesting question because I think that as somebody who really enjoys history and is always like I, no one can tell me a story without me thinking, Hmm, would that make an interesting book? So, um, I have a lot. It began with Eleanor Roosevelt, where I think for a lot of girls it begins. Um, and you know, growing up in Oklahoma, any, any native American, I mean, there, there are modern day women, uh, Norma Mankiller, different, different people like that. But, um, so for me, definitely it began with Eleanor Roosevelt, um, living in the South, Barbara Jordan, um, uh, uh, I mean, doing athletics as a kid, I grew up around the era of Billie Jean King. So she was amazing. Um, Rachel Carson, uh, 
any number. It's not that I don't respect men, so no, no men are on my list. I mean, Ben Franklin, I was born in Philadelphia, so he's always somebody. But I feel like right now, I can't get enough of Kate Warren. If I find any other research or anything else that's out there about her, her um, I dig it up. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I pick it up, and I can't stop reading about this era in history. So, um, I mean, all the players at this time are, are really fascinating. I think Alan Pinkerton's a really conflicted person. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, here he was, trying to ride his train to his inauguration to begin this whole period in American history. There was so much at stake and so much uncertainty. Um, these players are fascinating, all fascinating. But right now I would have to say it's Kate Warren that is my number one on my mind a lot. There's no shame in that. I mean, you picked a uniquely, I mean, I think each, as someone, I really enjoy history myself and I, and I read a lot of nonfiction and a lot of history. Um, uh, we can talk offline about my Nixon obsession. (laughs) Great. Easy. Um, I, I have come to appreciate, you know, I've gravitated towards certain periods of history more than others, but reading yeah. this book reminded me, you know, this is a rich and interesting, it's not all guns, it's not all Pony Express, I mean, this is a little bit before the Pony Express, but you get the idea, it's not all about the West, and mm-hmm. it's not all about opening up the West. There is such a transformation in Chicago at this period of time of, of urbanization mm-hmm. that I think, you know, we take for granted thinking about New York, Philadelphia, and the East mm-hmm. Coast, but mm-hmm. you can see in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Just sort of this this watershed time of, of transformation from being, you know, very much on the edge to being more settled and yeah. refined and civilized. Again, looking at the three, these three buildings, the shed. Yeah, the, the soldier tree. field and the oh, and the, and the, and the uh, uh, natural history museum, which are modeled on 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 Greek and Roman forms, right. you know, which right. is interesting to me. You know, Chicago is such an interesting city to look at. I oh, mentioned the cobblestones, yeah. but it's so much architecture and it's and incredible. adventurous thinking. It's a great city. It's I was not born here. I'm a transplant, but mm-hmm. this is my city, and I just love it. I just. Um, you know the sky. We gave the world the skyscraper. I mean, they, it was the birthplace is here. Uh, there's just amazing the way that uh, again the Columbia Exposition, the way that the entire white city was built uh, uh, to to bring the world here and show the world. Look, look at what's happening here. So um, Chicago's got amazing things, and there's still more to come. I, I think we're going to get the Obama Library. That's my belief. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's there's it's just an amazing amazing city. Well, thank you so much, Kate, for being with us and sharing some time with us uh, on this beautiful day uh, just on the edge of Lake Michigan, looking at the beautiful skyscrapers and some smaller buildings. Um, This has been Victoria Stapleton, Director of School and Library Marketing, and with me has been Kate Hannigan, author of The Detective's Assistant, soon to be on shelves everywhere. Say goodbye, Kate. Goodbye. Thank you.